Hey, everybody. It is Monday, December 4th. We're back. Both of us. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwinunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, I, I hear you're recovering in your voice there. Mosh, I don't know what hit me, but last week was a rough one for me. Uh, so thank you for holding it down a couple mm. of the days. And then I know you were off. So I did my best. As I told you offline, it was not a pretty picture here. As I did that podcast <laughs> Wednesday night, I just really, I, I was very, very sick. But uh, I'm okay. My voice is still not 100%, but I, I'm okay. I feel okay. Uh, I will try to save you in this podcast, <laughs> but not before we announce that we have officially, finally, long-awaited, opened the Mo News merch shop, fleeces, tote bags, hats, t-shirts, a whole variety of things for everybody. Mosh, I have got my Mo News mug right here. Cheers. There we go. Let's both hold them up <laughs> for the YouTube. Cheers. Um, and yeah. I have been loving this thing, but I got an early preview. I guess that's one perk when you work for the company. <laughs> um, but the stuff is awesome. <laughs> Very creative. Really fun. My favorite, I think, is the notebook that says just the facts. I, I mean, mm. really, really cool stuff. I hope everyone checks it out. Yeah. Grateful to the whole team that put it together. Alex, my wife. Of course, you guys won't be surprised that she led this whole thing. Uh, she's been pushing for a while, long time. She's like, Mosh, we need merch. We need merch. The people need merch. And so uh, to help make that happen, Ren and Will uh, on the um, website development team, et cetera. So we have that all going. So just FYI, guys, we're making it available first to our Mo News Premium audience. So right now, if you're a Mo News Premium member, on the Instagram account, you will have seen you're also getting a discount, 15% off. So if you become a Mo News Premium member today, you will get access to the merch shop. We will eventually roll it out to everybody. But if you're mm -hmm. eager for your fleece, your mug, uh, your travel mug, uh, I think we have a bucket hat, uh, a, a blanket. There's a whole variety of things available for your holiday gifts. Uh, become a Mo News Premium member today uh, to also get access to the discount and access to the merch shop immediately. The bucket hat is a bold statement. It, there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of mo news on there. We put it out there as of this evening as we're recording this. Uh, no sales of the bucket hat yet. The mugs are going hot. I'm not right entirely now. shocked. Um, I have to in admit. the store. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also a pet bowl. Uh, keep in mind, we tried to price this as low as possible. You know, it's complicated. If you're not a big um, retailer, you know, getting getting a sense of like shipping and, and all this stuff is challenging. So keep in mind the products available, but it's also a way to support what we're doing here at Mo News and give people the uh, the gift of Mo News this holiday season including perhaps that bucket hat. We're still looking for the first and buyer of that. Put it this way. It is a walking advertisement for Mo News. So if you buy it, thank you. We appreciate it. Somebody uh, bought the fleece vest and said, I'm going to pretend I'm your LA correspondent <laughs> That's um, awesome. and wear that vest around LA. And I'm like, all right, that job is uh, full. So whoever else wants to buy the vest and pretend you're, well, I don't know. We trust <laughs> to, the Mo News community. To not to, pretend uh, they're know, working be for us. Behave well while wearing our merch. <laughs> All right, let's get to some news before people officially turn this thing off. George Santos gets the SNL treatment. What is next for the former congressman and the third district of New York? Did the war in the Middle East fighting between Hamas and Israel escalated over the weekend? What is the situation on the ground in Gaza? And what does this mean for the hostages that are still there? 
Plus, Houthi rebels continue to attack American ships in the region. In Paris, a terror attack near the Eiffel Tower leaves at least one person dead. To business news, which two airlines want to merge? Kevin Macaulay Culkin reunites with his mom from Home Alone, Catherine O'Hara. The pictures are awesome. And Beyonce, number one at the box office. Plus, Moshe is on the same history. Jill, it's a Carter-themed podcast today. Jay-Z marks a big occasion today. All right, it is the end of the line for one politician that we uh, have gotten to know a bit about in the last year, or actually, we still don't know a lot about him. (laughs) George Santos, finally an ex-member of Congress, the infamous New York Republican congressman whose long list of lies and schemes made him a figure of national ridicule and the subject of a 23-count federal indictment was expelled from the U.S. House on Friday. It was a decisive bipartisan vote with nearly all Democrats and half of Republicans voting to make him the sixth ever person to be expelled by the House. He is the first person to be expelled from the House without first being convicted of a federal crime or supporting the Confederacy in the Civil War. At least we think. At least we think. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Uh, The measure required a two-thirds majority. It passed with 311 lawmakers in favor of expulsion, including 105 Republicans. 114 members opposed the expulsion, 112 Republicans and two Democrats. And it really came as no surprise, although he had survived two previous votes to expel him, Santos, who over the course of his short political career invented ties to the Holocaust, September 11th, and the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, was finally undone by an ethics committee investigation that came out last month. In a scathing 56-page report, ethics investigators found substantial evidence that Santos had broken a number of federal laws misused funds, and essentially used his office as a long-running grift. Perhaps no federal office holder in modern American history has been accused of ignoring, testing, or breaking as many aspects of campaign finance law so flagrantly in such a short span of time as Santos has. He's going to face potential prison time when that case involving the 23 indictments eventually goes to trial next year. That said, Republican Speaker Mike Johnson and other Republican leaders fearful of losing his vote or losing his seat to a Democrat in a special election still opposed the resolution. Johnson and his entire leadership team voted against expulsion Friday morning. Other members were concerned that it did set a bad precedent that they expel him before he was convicted in court. Yeah. So for those of you curious as to why 114 members of Congress said, no, we should keep Santos here. Basically, it was split between those who, you know, already know that Republicans have a very slim majority. uh, And Jill's home district there, George Santos's district is a swing district and could easily go Democrat as it has before. And they didn't want to lose that seat. And then you have people who are like, we need to have a high standard here in Congress. You actually have to be convicted of a crime before we kick you out. So essentially, you can be fired from Target for less than you can being a member of Congress. Uh, There are a bunch of interviews I was watching on Friday of members who voted against the expulsion, including Tim Burchett of Tennessee, who told one reporter, we're all sinners, when he was asked why he voted to let Santos stay. You know, ultimately, we're all sinners in the eye of God. And so George should be allowed to stay here in Congress. Many of you um, chiming in on our Instagram account this weekend to just completely shocked that Congress allows this sort of thing to continue. 
look, I'm a member of this district. So I do feel this personally because I currently don't have representation in Congress, nor do my neighbors and the hundreds of thousands of people who live in New York's third district. And there is a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, there's wars, there's this budget battle, et cetera. That said, the one thing that you and I talked about <laughs> offline is that you don't want this to become like the next quote unquote, like impeachment, right? It used to be a very big deal for a president to be impeached or for there to be impeachment inquiries. And now it's like par for the right. course, right? Trump, Biden, it, and it should be still something that's a, a big deal, the same way that being expelled from Congress is. So I think the last thing that we'd want to see is that this now just becomes another tool in their arsenal to go against political foes. Right. That that ultimately, you know, they can start kicking people out left and right for small offenses. That said, you look at Santos's long running, like literally the man just took money. He was like using it to get OnlyFans accounts. He was using it to buy Botox, like just like didn't care about the rules, didn't care about the law. So the speaker allowed members to vote with their conscience. And it was interesting because nearly half of Republicans, despite it being it politically disadvantageous um, to vote to kick out Santos, decided to. So, you know, that was interesting. As far as what's next, you're going to have a special election coming up early next year in your third district. Um, Jill, interestingly, you guys will be voting for a new member, and then you'll be voting again in November in the general election. So whoever wins will only be, you know, a member for a few months before they have to basically run again. That'll be interesting. As far as Santos is concerned, he actually walked out of the chamber on Friday before the vote was even finished, uh, telling reporters, why would I want to stay here? To hell with this place. Um, Saturday Night Live uh, then gave him the treatment, Bone Yang, phenomenal uh, on uh, Saturday night. Uh, here's a clip of Bone Yang doing his best Santos. I think, honestly, the whole segment's worth watching. Here's a short clip. Fine. So I'm no longer Congressman Santos. I'm just regular old Professor Major General Reverend Astronaut Santos, Protector of the Realm, Princess of Genovia. Jill, uh, Bowen then goes on to do an imitation as George Santos of Elton John playing Candle in the Wind as a tribute to himself with uh, customized lyrics. It's definitely worth the watch. We'll link to it in the show notes. And notably, Santos just does not care anymore. And he's like, I'm launching an investigation against this one and this one. I mean, he just wants to take the whole place down with him. Well, he can't anymore. His office is locked and he's not allowed back in the Capitol. So it's um, unless he comes as like a visitor or on a tour. So it's over for George. He has a trial next year. The, as I mentioned, there'll be the special election in your district. There's about two dozen candidates uh, currently looking to fill that seat. We will see who the parties select. It includes one of your former congressmen, by the way, uh, the Democrat, Tom Suozzi. Um, and Jill, we learned over the weekend, George Santos will get the HBO treatment. There's a new book out called The Fabulous, The Lying, Hustling, Grifting, Stealing, and Very American Legend of George Santos, attached to this project for HBO, Frank Rich, who uh, actually EP'd Veep and uh, has worked on Succession. So high hopes for the... Uh, HBO version of George Santos. To those of you who asked on Instagram, will George Santos profit from this? I don't believe so. I don't think he has anything to do with the book, but we will dig into it further. It would be sort of perfect, though, if George Santos could find a way to profit off of um, HBO show based on his life. I've been trying to think who is, is going to play George Santos. And if you remember back in January, Josh Gad actually um, tweeted at Lin-Manuel Miranda being like, 
any chance I can get you to team up with me for a Hamilton style musical about George Santos. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was looking at him with the glasses on and I thought he wouldn't be a horrible person to play him. So we'll see. Though we should mention, since it's the Veep EP working on this, there's an actor named Nelson Franklin who played Will on Veep that looks very much like George Santos. He's also a comedian himself, so uh, he could be in the good in the role as well. All right, switching gears now to the latest in the Israel-Hamas war in the Gaza Strip, which is now fully back on and escalating after that week-long truce. So following Hamas's decision to break the agreement late Thursday regarding hostages and then launch rockets on Israel, the Israeli military counterattacked and expanded operations into southern Gaza this weekend. Until now, they have mostly been focused on the ground in the northern part of the Gaza Strip. Now, speaking to troops at the Gaza division in southern Israel, a top Israeli military commander said that they killed Hamas battalion commanders, company commanders, and many operatives. Hamas's health ministry says hundreds were killed in the fighting this weekend, including hundreds of civilians. Clashes happened near the large southern town of Khan Yunis. That is where Israelis say a number of top Hamas commanders were hiding, as well as where they believe some of the more than 100 hostages that remain in the Strip might be being held. It came as Israel got a warning of sorts in recent days from their top allies in the White House that they need to be more focused on preventing civilian casualties in this next part of the war. Here is U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken late last week after visiting Israel. Israel has the most sophisticated, one of the most sophisticated militaries in the world. It is capable of neutralizing the threat posed by Hamas while minimizing harm to innocent men, women, and children. And it has an obligation to do so. Ultimately, that's not just the right thing to do. It's also in Israel's security interest. Vice President Kamala Harris had similar words over the weekend, adding that Israel needs to work more to prevent civilian casualties and that it matters how they conduct the war. Notably, U.S. officials on Sunday said they found Israel to be amenable to their requests. John Kirby from the White House telling NBC that Israel has, quote, been receptive to our messages here in terms of trying to minimize civilian casualties. Yes, the Israelis also have been pushing back privately on some of the U.S. push here, saying they're going to do what they need to do in their war on terror, as the U.S. has done in its wars on terror, that they are picking precise targets. Uh, They're going out of their way to alert sections of Gaza where the war is going next, something pretty rare and that we haven't seen uh, in many modern wars. Uh, The Israelis put out maps over the weekend, dividing Gaza into numbered areas, block by block, and alerting residents in Arabic which numbers uh, now need to be evacuated, where the war goes next. Now, the complaint from the residents, uh, or in many cases, the refugees within Gaza, is that it's not very specific, the warnings are vague, and they've, in some cases, had to evacuate multiple times already. Uh, some of them adamant, telling reporters, we're done moving here at this point. Uh, we don't know where to go next. Now, Israel says that there are areas that can and will remain safe down by the coast, down near the Rafah border crossing, uh, notably the UN not being very amenable so far either into opening up new camps. So we'll see what happens there. The Israelis right now say that they've killed between five and 6,000 fighters for Hamas. Uh, the estimate right now within the Gaza Strip from the health ministry there, the Hamas-run health ministry, is that more than 15,000 Gazans, combatants and civilians, they don't distinguish, um, have been killed in the fighting. Large sections of Gaza City, we've talked about this on the podcast, have been reduced to rubble. 80% right now of the more than 2 million residents there are currently displaced. 
A World Health Organization team visited Nasser Hospital that is down in southern Gaza, describing what they say are unimaginable conditions. The head of WHO saying countless people there are seeking shelter, filling every corner of the facility. Uh, Patients are receiving care on the floor, screaming in pain. The WHO, among uh, the UN organizations, calling for a ceasefire. There are a number of countries doing that as well, not the U.S. so far. Now, for its part, the Israelis say they mourn the situation for the civilians. They're trying their best, but they blame Hamas for starting the war on October 7th, uh, fighting from civilian areas. And they say there's a simple answer to all of this. After two months of fighting, Hamas needs to surrender and return the hostages. There are no signs that Hamas is ready to give up at this point. So what's ahead? As far as toppling the Hamas regime, Israel says it's completed about 30% of its task. That's according to some analysts and the former director of military intelligence there. Uh, They say there still is a long way to go to achieve their goal of destroying Hamas. But sometimes there's a breaking point for the enemy. So they believe at some point this might uh, move at a faster pace. The Israelis believe the ground operation in the north went better than expected. Uh, And so now they head into the south, where the rest of the war could take weeks or months, the Israelis say. That's where there was pushback from the Americans saying, you guys only have a couple of weeks, you need to wrap this up. The Israelis saying, again, we'll take as long as we need. Uh, And so there is this focus, as you mentioned, on Khan Yunus, the town in the south. Things are intensifying there, but that's also where a lot of the displaced people went, and they can't return north right now, so they're being forced into other areas. Khan Yunus has a lot of tunnels, uh, and that's believed, again, where Hamas High Command uh, has moved to in recent weeks during the war. Now, keep in mind, victory for Hamas here is survival. Uh, and so it'll be hard for the Israelis to achieve their goal, which is destruction of Hamas. If, you know, victory for Hamas is, you know, we're still around to fight another day. Um, and so that's going to make things complicated. The Israelis believe that the uh, defenses in the south, the tunnels, etc., are even more complex. And keep in mind that even after two months of fighting here, Israel still doesn't fully control Gaza City in the north, the tunnel network. As the ceasefire ended, the war got restarted. Hamas fired several hundred rockets over the weekend. So they still have rocket launch capabilities, um, including threatening Tel Aviv, the major Israeli city in central Israel in the north. And so clearly Hamas remains capable here. And finally, there are some criticisms within Israel that their what's called their hammer strategy here involving huge bombs from the air uh, might be causing too much damage and not getting at the right targets. Uh, and so there are some within Israel who say we should focus more on commando operations as opposed to this bombing assault we've been engaged in. And then there are the remaining hostages after a week's worth of exchanges. Hamas now holds mostly men of various ages and whether they will be freed remains a topic of intense concern. Officially, Israel saying that freeing the hostages is an equally important goal to destroying Hamas. But now that about half of them have been freed, the focus is turning again to combat, which could potentially endanger the hostages. The government has argued that pressuring Hamas militarily actually leads to hostage releases, something that many abroad, including in the U.S. government, doubted before the last deal. But families in Israel remain worried about their loved ones still in Gaza. Street demonstrations have started again against the government. Now, some of the hostages who've been released have offered valuable information on the location and well-being of those that are still held. They confirmed, for example, that at least half a dozen hostages were dead, their bodies in Gaza, And this has played a role in shifting attention from hostage negotiations to military operations. 
Right, we have a lot more news to get to, including today's speed read. Jill, I was asked recently on our premium Instagram account if I spoke foreign languages. And I you know, broke down some of the words that I knew. Uh, but it has been one of my goals to really learn Spanish. I never learned Spanish. I learned French in high school. Uh, and I've been wanting to get in Spanish, given how relevant it is. And we are very excited to be partnering with our newest sponsor, Babbel. The best way to learn a language, of course, is through immersion, living where the language is spoken. But that's not possible for many of us. So what's second best? Well, Babbel. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. So I started Spanish lessons recently. I've been loving them so far. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a tutor or you know messing with some language apps, Babbel offers quick 10-minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts. And it really lets you learn relevant phrases that will actually be practical, something I definitely didn't get in high school. So it's designed for real conversations. So for you, would that be, where is the nearest ice cream shop? <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> bring me to your gelato, your best gelato. Um, and what's great right now is they have a special limited deal for our listeners. If you're a Manu's listener, you have a 55% discount on Babbel, on a Babbel subscription. Head to babbel.com, that is B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Again, B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash Monews. And with our discount, that is just $6 a month to learn a new language. Again, 55% off Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Monews. Rules and restrictions do apply. All right, now to our next sponsor, AG1. If you're a longtime listener, you know we have been drinking AG1 for months now here uh, at the Monews podcast. As a mom with two young kids, I can use all the help that I can get when it comes to my energy level and nutrition. And that's why AG1 is so important. It is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has continuously refined their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. A team of doctors and scientists have tested it for 950 contaminants. It is NSF certified for sport, formulated based on the latest science, and maintains high-quality standards. And even our friends have started to drink AG1, and they're always saying how much more energetic they feel and, and how much it has helped them. I take AG1 in the morning. I know I am covered for the day. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash monews. That is drinkag1.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S. Check it out. Time now for the speed read from the Associated Press. Back to the Middle East, three commercial ships in the Red Sea were struck by ballistic missiles fired from Houthi-controlled Yemen on Sunday, and a U.S. warship shot down three drones in self-defense during the hours-long assault. This is according to the U.S. military. Responsibility for the attack was claimed by the Houthi rebels, who are backed by Iran. The attacks marked an escalation in a series of maritime attacks in the Middle East linked to the Israel-Hamas war. Multiple vessels found themselves in the crosshairs of a single Houthi attack for the first time in the conflict. According to Central Command, the USS Kearney, a Navy destroyer, detected a ballistic missile fired from Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen at the Bahamas-flagged bulk carrier Unity Explorer. The missile hit near the ship. Shortly afterward, the Carney shot down a drone headed its way. 
Although it is not clear if the destroyer was the target, the drone was also launched from Yemen. Three other ships were then targeted by missiles. All three were hit, but no significant damage. Now, we've been telling you about these attacks. The Houthis have launched a series of attacks on vessels in the Red Sea, as well as launching drones and missiles targeting Israel as well. Now, the U.S. has stopped short until now of saying its Navy ships were targeted, but has said that Houthi drones have headed towards U.S. ships and have then been shot down in self-defense. Global shipping has been a huge target as the Israel-Hamas war has escalated, uh, and it threatens to turn things into a wider regional conflict. In some cases, Houthis have taken over ships, taken them to dock, are holding hostage uh, the members of that ship. In a couple cases, the ships are owned uh, by a company owned by an Israeli billionaire, though operated by other countries, flagged by other countries, operated by companies in other countries, and none of the people aboard happen to be from Israel. The Houthis, we've gotten in depth on them over on the Instagram account, are backed by Iran, uh, among the many terror groups around the region that Iran is using to hit U.S. and Israeli assets. And it does come as Iranian-backed groups have hit more than 75 U.S. targets and bases across the region. That doesn't even account the ships here. Um, in just the past six weeks, uh, notably over the weekend, took notice of the fact that Obama's former CIA director and defense secretary, Leon Panetta, you might be familiar with him, um, said that the Biden administration needs to do more needs to respond more aggressively to make clear to Iran that they cannot keep doing this. They cannot keep targeting U.S. assets in the region. Now, Biden has been reluctant to do that because he doesn't want things to escalate into a regional war. But there's an indication here that Iran feels like it can get away with whatever it's doing. And the U.S. does need to do more. Look, at some point with all of these attacks, eventually you're wondering when the U.S. is going to step up some type of retaliation uh, you look under the Trump administration, they literally took out one of Iran's top generals, Soleimani. Right. They assassinated him in Iraq. Um, you know, there were concerns at the time. You might remember this like, oh, my God, are we going to World War Three? And Iran didn't do much. Um, and so there are certainly people arguing, and this includes some Democrats, including Panetta here, that the U.S. needs to be um, tougher with Iran here and show them that, like, they can't get away with this stuff that, by the way, has injured a number of American soldiers on bases. So, you know, at the same time, they're trying to prevent, you know, a larger a larger all-out war with Iran. So, you know, ultimately, when you're in the Situation Room and you're the president, they present you with lots of different options of what can be done and the potential ramifications based on the intel they have. And then it's up to the president to decide, I'm going to, you know, choose, you know, this from column A, this from column B, I'm going to hold off on column C. And there are famous examples of that, of course, with um, Kennedy and the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, that, you know, it's, he was presented with options uh, to actually start a nuclear war with the Soviet Union at the time. And in fact, there were people at the Pentagon who were upset at Kennedy for trying to take the diplomatic route to stop that. Um, actually, it leads to some of the rumors as to why who had an incentive to take out John F. Kennedy in 1963. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> oh. but there were a lot of people in the Defense Department, CIA, et cetera, that like, were very upset at Kennedy in some of the decisions he made in the Situation Room. So anyway, I digress. All right, from Reuters, a man armed with a knife and a hammer killed a German tourist and left two people, including a British man, wounded near the Eiffel Tower in Paris late on Saturday. French President Emmanuel Macron calling it a terrorist attack. A 26-year-old suspect, a French national, was arrested after the attack, pledging allegiance to the Islamic State in a video recorded beforehand. 
According to the French interior minister, the suspect had told police that he was angry about the situation in Gaza and the fact that, quote, so many Muslims are dying in Afghanistan and Palestine. The German tourist suffered fatal injuries when he was attacked just a few feet from the Eiffel Tower. The attacker chased by police and assaulted two other people, including the British man with a hammer, officials say. Yeah, guns really hard to obtain in France. So um, this attack took place with a knife and a hammer. This suspect, by the way, had spent four years in French prison for planning another attack uh, prior to 2016. He was released from prison in 2020. He had been on the French security services watch list. Apparently they had been watching him. He was also known to have uh, psychiatric disorders. Now, European security officials have warned about the growing risk of attacks by Islamist militants. As you mentioned, this guy pledged allegiance to ISIS, uh, the biggest threat being lone wolf assailants. You know, literally people who work on their own are made more extreme online, watch various videos and then engage in these types of attacks. France has been on high alert now uh, for a number of weeks. That stems from a Muslim man from Chechnya who killed a teacher with a knife in northern France uh, in October. And this attack comes just eight months before the Olympic Games in Paris. Paris is set to host hundreds of thousands of people for the Olympic Games. So people are wondering, you know, is enough being done for security um, given the environment here? Uh, They're actually hoping to host the opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics next summer on the Seine River with up to 600,000 spectators out there. Turning to business news from ABC News, Alaska Airlines has agreed to buy its rival Hawaiian Airlines in a deal valued at about $1.9 billion as the companies make a push to expand along the West Coast. The transaction is expected to close in the next year or 18 months. The combined company will be based in Seattle, where Alaska Airlines is headquartered and led by its CEO. Notable, the Hawaiian name will stay. The two airlines say they will aim to maintain each of their brand identities, but operate under a single platform combining into a 365 airplane fleet covering 138 destinations. The combination will allow Alaska Airlines to triple nonstop or one-stop flights from the Hawaiian Islands to destinations throughout North America. Yeah, Alaska is getting bigger here. Remember, just a few years ago, they bought Virgin America. Now they're buying Hawaiian. Uh, They are part of the One World Alliance. So Hawaiian Airlines uh, customers now will be able to have improved lounge access, enhanced credit card loyalty programs as part of One World. Alaska is calling this move pro-consumer. They say it'll allow it to better compete. They're now the fifth largest airline. It'll allow them to better compete with United, Delta, Southwest, and American. Those are the top four largest airlines in America. Those four, by the way, currently own 80% of domestic market share. Now, there has been major consolidation. If you look at the list of mergers over these last 25 years, we used to have a lot of airlines in America, not so much. And the government is sort of belatedly getting involved here, worried that this might not be good for consumers. Where have they been? As you said, we've had like, there were like 100 (laughs) airlines. Remember, there was like, there was Northwest and there was America West and, you know, like there was U.S. Air and like, I mean, Jill, just in our lifetimes, remember all the airlines that, you know, you would have flown at one point, but they all got eaten up in this huge merger and acquisition spree. They all got, you know, these mega airlines developed. And so the government has been recently blocking the JetBlue Spirit uh, tie up. 
that's being fought in court right now. So it, there is a potential here that they could block the Alaska-Hawaiian deal. We'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. For my many years at CBS Money Watch, where we covered all sorts of consumer-related issues, I could tell you that Alaska Airlines always scored really, really high when it comes to customer service. People love it. Yeah, people are huge fans of Alaska. Jill, there was a spree in just about 10 years where Delta bought Comair, American bought TWA, Republic and Shuttle got together, SkyWest and Atlantic Southeast got together, then they get bought. But then U.S. Airways gets eaten up by American, United and Continental get together. Continental, that was a big one. It's just, it's amazing to see all these crazy mergers that have happened um, in recent years. And, uh, you know, we're left with just a few options, which of course, as a consumer, isn't great because basically um, you're limited to a couple options and there's not much price competitiveness. And it does come as, you know, we've we've had a time period here where airline prices, airline ticket prices have gone uh, gone high. From Variety, you might have seen this picture over the weekend, 32 years after the first Home Alone movie, an emotional reunion between Macaulay Culkin and Catherine O'Hara in Hollywood last week. O'Hara praising Culkin, who is now 43, during his Hollywood Walk of Fame ceremony. Yes, Kevin McAllister, Jill, is 43 years old. Here is a bit from her speech. And thank you for including me, your fake mom who left you home alone not once but twice, (laughs) to share in this happy occasion. I'm so proud of you. God bless you. Mosh could not have been a a more perfect tribute. O'Hara, of course, would go on to star in Schitt's Creek. One of my favorite shows. Yeah, Jill, it took a few people uh, a while to put together that Moira from Schitt's Creek is Kevin's mom in Home Alone. And so the picture went viral. They had a moment where they were face to face and people put that next to the photo of them in the film 32 years previous face to face as they get reunited. Um, So it was a very sweet moment. By the way, Kevin McAllister, all grown up, Macaulay Culkin has two kids with his fiance and fellow former child star Brenda Song. She was in The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Uh, the boys were in attendance at the ceremony. Culkin uh, found a perfect way to conclude his Hollywood Walk of Fame speech with the ultimate Home Alone reference. He says at the end, to wrap things up and in the spirit of the holiday season, I just want to say, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> I used to say that with my friends all the time. Jill, it's such a perfect film and uh, came just before the advent of cell phones would have totally (laughs) negated the entire premise of the Home Alone films. From NBC News, Beyonce ruled the box office this weekend. Her concert picture, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, opened in first place with $21 million in North American ticket sales, according to estimates from AMC Theaters. The post-Thanksgiving, early December box office is notoriously slow, But Renaissance defied the odds, not accounting for inflation. It's the first time that a film has opened over $20 million on this weekend in over 20 years. Beyonce wrote, directed, and produced Renaissance, which is focused on the tour for her Grammy-winning album. It debuted in over 2,500 theaters in the U.S. and Canada. And it was a slow weekend overall competitively. Films in the top 10 are expected to gross only $85 million in total. So Beyonce took about 25% of that. We should note that, by the way, this is the second in the kind of recent spree of concert films. Didn't come close to the Taylor Swift era's tour opening in October. Um, Taylor's film that opening weekend took in nearly $93 million in just the first weekend. Though no one expected Renaissance to match eras. Eras right now um, in theaters is apparently already grossed $250 million globally. So it's the biggest 
of the uh, concert films after that mega tour that Taylor did. Um, and there have been concert films in the past. They haven't done as well. There were ones put out by Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber over 10 years ago, and neither passed $32 million in ticket sales. All right, now time for On This Day in History. We'll keep it short and sweet for everyone today. On This Day in 1791, the first Sunday newspaper was published, The Observer, still around in Great Britain. It became the first newspaper in the world to be published and read on a Sunday. Uh, For the kids out there, we used to have to wait for the news on our driveways. The Sunday paper, always with tons of sections, the comics, the Sunday comics, and a whole lot of ads. I remember that was one of the things I enjoyed, Jill, beyond reading the news, was all the like, you know, what the coupons that you'd get in the Sunday paper every Sunday. Our local newspaper, Newsday, which I occasionally will freelance for, used to have Kids Day as part of it. And I loved Kids Day. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. On this day in 1954, the first Burger King opened in Miami, Florida. So Burger King turned 69 years old today. On this day in 1980, Led Zeppelin, the band, disbanded. Uh, They announced after 12 years and the death of their drummer that they would be ending their time as a group and staying with music here. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, Ho, H to the O-V. We want to wish Jay-Z, Sean Carter, a happy 54th birthday today. He was born on this day in 1969, Jill. Jill, Jay-Z is 54 years old. From the guy who brought us the song, 30's the new 20. 54 is <laughs> the new what? 40? I don't know. Uh, there is an exhibit, though, uh, that I passed by the Brooklyn Library that focuses on his career. You know, he is a native here uh jill you know he once said in a song he's not a businessman he's a business man forbes currently has jay-z valued at two and a half billion dollars with a b pretty impressive built quite the empire there all right and with that we want to thank you for listening to the mo news podcast if you like what you hear share this with your friends it will help us grow follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the app store and thanks to all of you who have joined mo news premium it's a way to support our account get access to our extra instagram channel for members uh getting your questions answered deep dives on subjects as well as the members only podcast we have special episodes we put out every week it also gives you access to right now the new mo news merch store with a special coupon code for premium members. Speaking of coupon codes, you don't have to wait for the Sunday edition. (laughs) We'll just tell you over on the Mo News Premium Instagram account for a special 15% off the Mo News merch store. So join premium today. They get access to the merch store. Eventually, we'll put it out to everybody, but the code will only be saved for the uh, premium members. So check that out right now if you're not a premium member yet over at mo.news slash premium. All right, bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.